You're listening to Your Woo Woo Best Friend, a no BS approach to wellness, spirituality, manifestation, and all things mystical. Hello, it's Andy. Welcome back to the show. This is Your Woo Woo Best Friend. We are officially in the fall season. Welcome to fall, everyone. I first want to start this episode with some gratitude. I have been asking over the last couple of episodes for your support, specifically with reviews. As I shared, this show is completely self-funded. We are not with a network. Everything we do is for this community. Our intention is to help you to live a more radiant life and to hear on this show stories from incredible human beings doing really deep work in their own lives. My intention in this show is to tell you stories about what's worked for me and some of my successes, of course, but oftentimes my intention is to go really deep in a vulnerable way and share life lessons from my own experience that I wished I had had some guidance with in my earlier days. We're all always evolving and growing. And I have to tell you, doing this show has become really quite cathartic for me. I have been blogging for over 10 years. And in my early days of blogging, it was very much in the style of writing a journal. Obviously, it's quite different now. Our blog we we has become something that we have multiple writers and we have expertise in those writers. And my intention there is to share tools and strategies for you with a whole lot of high-level expertise-backed information. And so that is why we brought those folks into the blog over the last couple of years. Originally, way back in the day, it was truly just my journal of what was going on and my life experience, very much not that anymore. But on this podcast, I do get to do a little bit of that. And I get to invite guests onto this show that I'm really interested in hearing from so that I can also evolve alongside of you. So back to these reviews. So I'd asked you to share reviews because it truly is the number one way that we grow this show and have an opportunity to get potential funding in future next year in 2023. It is on my manifestation list for us to get sponsorship. Actually, I got an email this week about a really great potential sponsor, but we are up until this point, we have said no to potential sponsors because it is really important to me that we build this show and get a great foundation behind it first before we go that route. So we may say yes to that opportunity. Hint, hint, it's a matcha brand. And you guys know I love my matcha. So maybe it's possible. It's a matcha brand that also has a nootropic um, formulation. If we do it, you'll learn more about that because I will definitely be excited about sharing it. So these reviews that I'm mentioning, I wanted to share one of them with you. This is, this is from Samantha Savage Evans. And Samantha's review says, inspiring and uplifting. Andy always leads me on a journey of self-discovery that is both relaxing and productive. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Thank you so much, Samantha. 
Last week, we were at, I think we were around 88 total ratings for the show, and now we've picked up a couple since last week, so now we're at 91 ratings. Let's get to 100, shall we? Can we get to 100 ratings after this week's episode? Let's try and do it. I may have set a goal for us last week, and I can't remember what it was, to be honest. So I'm giving us a goal. The goal is 100 ratings after this week's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. And I'll definitely share another review or two each week over the next couple of weeks as we really focus on bringing more reviews into the show. Okay, so moving on. I want to talk a little bit about accountability and manifestation. And then we have a guest today. So what does accountability mean when it comes to manifestation? Accountability goes beyond finding a partner or a coach to help see you through your goals I love being that person for this community, but you also have to learn to be accountable to yourself and the universe or source or God or whatever it is for you. One of the easiest ways to rewire your brain to keep you accountable is to begin to change your internal dialogue. Ben and I have this thing we do in the mornings. Sometimes he is not quite as game as he is on other days, and That thing that we do is we say an affirmation in the kitchen in the morning. Lately, we've been spending a lot of money. We've been planning our wedding. We have business ventures that we're working on. He has his new record coming out next year. We just bought a property, as you all know, the retreat house up in the forest. So we've been spending a lot of money. So the mantra we've been saying is money flows to me with ease. Money flows to me with ease. Money flows to me with ease. And some days it's like I am dancing around the kitchen saying that mantra, especially if we're having a moment where we're like, okay, let's like think about what this day is going to look like, what big expenses we have coming up, because inevitably we all talk about those things with our partners or the folks closest to us or sometimes just ourselves. So starting the day with that mantra, money flows to me with ease, has been something that helps to set the tone. It's one of the easiest ways to begin to rewire the brain. So let's use money as an example. Can you replace phrases like, okay, well, when I have $100, I'll finally be stress-free, or $1,000, or $10,000, or $100,000, or whatever it is in your world. When I have that amount of money, I'll finally be stress-free. Okay, replace that with money flows to me, with ease. Our money flows easily and freely to me. Replace, you know, money isn't everything, which of course it isn't. We know money isn't everything. But can you replace that negative connotation around money? Heal that wound that's creating that thought for you and say, my life is abundant. My life is prosperous. My life is joyful. Or here's one I've heard a lot of folks say, women especially, and I am finding that women, we are getting more empowered around money by the day, but this is one I've heard, I'm just not good with money. Let's shift that to, I am a money magnet, and I study money and know how to use it. Let's change, I have to work so hard for money. And it never seems to be enough. Let's shift that to money comes to me in both unexpected and expected ways. It's a beautiful process. 
And then once you start to rewire, you can't stop there. You want to continue then to next level, to get to that next level. If you've already taken my free manifestation masterclass, you know about this. If you've taken Manifestation Blueprint, you know about this for sure. This is where you're going to find everything you need to take that abundance mindset to the next level. The next steps are unblocking your subconscious limiting beliefs and restoring your confidence and healing your relationship with yourself and in this example with money. The next steps are stopping that settling for less than you are worth and stepping into a new paradigm of receiving wealth, abundance, flow, joy, without the hustle, without the shame, or without the guilt. The next steps include increasing your magnetism, thriving in a purposeful career or relationship, or manifesting love, not only of partnerships and the jobs that we do and how we spend our days, but a manifestation of love of self. And the next steps include activating exponential opportunities and co-creating the life of your dreams. I'm cheering you on. You can do these things. You can do them. If you have not yet taken the free, very free Manifestation Masterclass, it is still open. And so is Manifestation Blueprint. It is $222 to begin to do all of these things that I just talked about. Let's meet today's show guest, shall we? Today, my guest is Monica Berg. She has this incredible blend of insight and honesty, and she shows individuals how to create a life that really works, that makes sense, and most importantly, a life where every person that she touches is living and loving as the powerful, fulfilled person that they've always wanted to be. Sounds great, right? Her personal endeavors have taught her how the practical wisdom of Kabbalah can bring light and strength into even the most challenging experiences by changing the one thing that we can control. She is a self-professed change junkie. She has gone through it with her life experience, and she's very open to sharing. She battled and overcame a debilitating eating disorder at a young age. She's the mother today of four children, one of which has special needs, and she's become an outspoken advocate for him and others struggling to find their voice. Today, she is the author of Fear is Not an Option and the book Rethink Love. She is the co-host of the podcast Spiritually Hungry, and she serves as co-director and chief communications officer for Kabbalah Center International. She lives in New York City. She's doing really incredible things. Welcome to the show, Monica Berg. Hi, Monica. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I am so interested in your story, and I want to start off with a little bit about you. You serve as the co-director and chief communications officer for Kabbalah Center International. You're an author of multiple books. You host the Spiritually Hungry podcast, not busy at all there with all of those things going on, but you're also a mother of four, and one of your children has 
special needs and you're an advocate for for folks that are struggling to find their voice. You personally have battled and overcame a debilitating eating disorder. And your work is informed, of course, by the many years of study, but also this life experience that you've had. So let's begin this conversation by grounding into a bit about you and who you are. Tell me a little bit about this incredible life of yours. It's so funny hearing you speak. It's kind of like, oh, did I do that? Oh, that? It's just, it's like, um, because I take what I do very seriously, but I don't take myself very seriously. So it's always interesting sure. to uh, to hear it and just listen. It, it feels like out of body. Um, I started my spiritual journey when I was 17. And I suppose in some ways it was intentional, but it really wasn't at the time. I was so young. Um but it has really informed my entire life. Um, I found the wisdom of Kabbalah, and it really helped me make sense of life and purpose and meaning and why we're here. And once I understood that, then how I wanted to participate in life became very clear. And from there, um, I've applied it to everything, my highest highs, uh, my times of challenge um, and worry, and I've always derived purpose and meaning from every experience, and that has um, inspired me so much that I tend to share every single experience of my life <laughs> with everybody in hopes that they will feel inspired and courageous enough to demand, really, and take responsibility to live the best life that they can. Mm. So for someone who's listening and they're not familiar with Kabbalah, what is Kabbalah? It's an ancient wisdom that's thousands of years old, and it really teaches the difference between the 1% realm versus the 99% realm, right? The physicality that we live in versus the spiritual world. And in essence, it's really wisdom and tools that help you leave this world differently than how you came into it, because that's really the goal is transformation, embracing change, becoming a being that finds more value in giving to others rather than receiving for the self alone. So that is basically the premise. It's a very, very deep wisdom that you can study your entire life. But if I had to just give you a bite-sized nugget, that's what it would be. And it would enhance any any practice that you already have. It's only adding on to that. Um, and it's really how to live life where it's not happening to you, but it happens through you. Mm. So when considering, going back to the idea of, of purpose and meaning, when considering purpose and meaning, how does one begin to consider purpose and meaning in life? What are some steps you would recommend for someone who's getting started in the consideration of purpose and meaning? Well, the first thing is you need to be curious about yourself. You need to care enough about your life to want to do something with it. I think far too often we tend to search for things outside of ourselves to bring us happiness and fulfillment, whether it's a, a, a job, a career path, um, moving into a new home, of course, finding a romance, and we make it about all these things that we will accumulate and that we think will make us happy. And that inevitably, if you base your happiness on things that are external, 
you will come to a point in your life where like, well, you know, I have all these things and I've achieved great things even. Maybe you're even successful, but you're not happy. And I think that that conversation will lead you to then where for you would you derive true value and purpose and meaning. So first you have to have an honest conversation with yourself. You know, where are you spending time and energy and thought? And if it's not where you think you should because you're not getting the results or the outcome you want, it's to really say, okay, well, all these things I thought would bring me joy and fulfillment or not, what would? What feels warmer to me? And I think from that place, from having just an honest conversation with yourself, then you can start to apply different things. But it's never like, some of the people are like, oh, I don't know what I'm meant to do in this world. And they go searching for it again. It's not like that. It's really about being. It's about thinking the thoughts that will inspire you to do more, to find the things that light you up. And when you start to put more time and energy in those little sparks that you felt in a real way, not based on what the world is telling you is important, that's the beginning of really finding your purpose. Mm, Yeah. You shared a story recently on Spiritually Hungry, your podcast, about a man lost at sea for 76 days. And as you told the story, you closed with this quote, nothing is stronger than a small hope that doesn't give up. And it's clearly a message of considering life's tiny miracles and holding on to hope and seeing those tiny miracles along the way. How do we start to recognize tiny miracles in our life? I really think that it comes down to I mean, as Oprah called it, an aha moment, but really it's a moment where your consciousness is expanded, where you are able to see the dots connecting, especially when they don't make sense at first, right? That um, in the story of this man that was lost at sea, you know, he, the, the, out of the, all of the hardships he had, right? Running out of water, food, the sunburns, the salt, on his body, the thing that broke him down the most was were his thoughts and his regrets and the negative feelings that he had. And then, but he also looked up at the skies and he saw heaven while he was living in hell at that time, right? So I think it's about, and, and because he recognized that he had regret, once he made it through this, he decided his life was going to change. So in that moment, his consciousness, his understanding of his existence, and really what his purpose was came from this horrible moment, but he had that awakening. And I think really that is a miracle. And I, I had a very strong one in my own life. I've had many since, but I remember the time where I really had that moment. And it's going to sound weird because it doesn't seem like it should be miraculous. But um, when I was 17 also, I about 18 actually, I developed anorexia, an eating disorder. And, uh, and I was never, you know, I was never overweight. I was always athletic. So it didn't come from this place. But when I when I had lost all this weight, I couldn't see it, right? I looked in the mirror and I saw somebody who was like 70 pounds heavier. Like I just, I had this distortion. And one day as I looked in the mirror and I did this um, daily pinch test, which was basically, I would take my forefinger and my thumb and I would pinch my waist and it was basically skin, but I thought it was like, the way I saw it was very much an illusion. It was like this big, you know, um, thing of fat as I felt then. But for whatever reason, that morning I looked in the mirror and I saw myself. I saw a skeleton looking back mm-hmm. at me. And I I just, I was in shock. I was hysterical. And I could not believe that I had done that to myself. 
And so all of these thoughts and feelings, and I started screaming for my mother. because, And of course, she came running because she thought I was going to die anyway. And any minute, my heart would give out or something. And we started crying and held each other in the bathroom. And it was that, I call it the um, breaking of the veil of illusion, like the gift of sight. And, if, and in that moment, that was a miracle. And it took years to get healthy. But I saw, and once I saw, then I, then I knew at least, no matter how I lie to myself after this day, I actually know, right? And, it, and I'll never be the same, right? I can actually create change. So I think it's those moments. And again, would you call that a miracle? I would say yes, but maybe the miracle is it would have never happened, but I don't think so. I think you have to go through difficulties sometimes to really find your beauty. Because what I realized in that moment is that I really didn't love myself. To starve mm-hmm. myself nearly to death is really the lowest, right? You can go in terms of self-care or self-love. But then I devoted my life to really becoming that person and really accepting myself. So it's the greatest gift that ever happened to me because I wouldn't have the voice that I have today had I not gone through that experience. I know that for sure. Mm. It's the idea of having a perspective that is so not based in any truth is it's so many of us go through that. You know, we may not be, we may not be having that same experience that you were having suffering from anorexia and having this vision of yourself as something that was completely distorted from who you actually were. But we do that to ourselves in so many ways where we walk around with this one one perspective of who we are and how how we show up and what power we have and and many times we don't ever have that veil lifted what power that that happened for you despite something that was approaching a death scenario for you yeah and that not everybody gets healthy from that you know i mean it was that was that was a big one um and it taught me also i knew that whatever in life um, that I saw, whether it was good or bad, was not the whole picture. Like it taught me such a life lesson to understand the world of illusions that we live in and to never take anything too seriously. There's a moment in the story of the man on the boat and he, he throws fish guts out into the water and these birds, these seabirds come and that's how he's eventually spotted and rescued. And to consider the gratitude and a moment in time in which birds birds arrive, birds fly into the sky, and that's what saved him. How does one begin to cultivate a practice of gratitude and start to find gratitude where perhaps you may not have been looking before? It's a tricky one because as it's human nature to lose appreciation. And I talk a lot about this with couples. It's the first thing that's lost pretty much after the wedding. And when we lose appreciation or gratitude, we don't have access to love. Like we really start to lie to ourselves about what's happening, right? So this importance, and people talk about gratitude journals, and I don't want it to become diluted because it's so necessary to be able to wake up in the morning and, and appreciate the fact that your body is working, that you can open your eyes. You know, I had tendon surgery um, a year ago uh, almost, and I'm still recovering. And, you know, for a while I couldn't walk at all. There was no weight bearing for eight months. Um, and then when I 
eventually could put some weight. I couldn't get out of bed without looking for my crutches. You know, it was just like everything was an extra step. And now it's like every day I'm just in awe of the body. And I have to tell you, again, with anorexia, and then I was a marathon runner, and I, I still love exercise, and now I'm healthy with it. But for somebody who didn't really respect their body, perhaps the way they should, it's just like every single moment, you know, having four kids and having, you know, a life grow inside of you. It's just, so I think if, if we take the time, and it's another episode we did on this, about being awestruck. It's not just appreciation or gratitude. It's like, stop and look at the sunrise or the sunset. It's not automatic that it will happen, you know, or that your body will show up for you, that you have people that love you, that want to be around you. If you really start to train your mind and you really start to make this something that you you look at each day, find 10 things, not one, not two, 10 things, or even every hour, what do you appreciate in this hour? And then when time changes, what do you appreciate in the next hour? I think that it will be able to help us frame our lives um, in ways that we get more more joy out of it, right? Because when you live in that mindset, you're going to enjoy things much more. What are some of the things in your life right now that you're awestruck by? Um, body, for sure, health. Um, that people love me. I think I listed mine that, uh, you know, that, that, that I get the opportunity to influence people that I get to do what I love. Um, that I have the freedom of choice really to choose how I spend my days. I mean, it's just everything and anything, you know, I appreciate my coffee every morning. It's like my favorite thing, you know, uh, those kinds of things. Beautiful. Thanks. The coffee in the morning. (laughs) The sun rising, seeing your family each day, feeling into the body, all such beautiful things. As human beings, having a human experience, we are all works in progress and we're not supposed to be perfect. Can you speak to the deeper purpose of imperfection? So... I tried to be perfect for the first half of my life. I tried very, very hard. And of course, it's a recipe for misery and disaster. And now I have embraced a life where I really try not to be perfect at all. I talk about mistakes I've made. I talk about my flaws. I put it all out there um, because I find it to be so freeing and liberating. The messier my day is, the messier my life is. I'm still type A, I'm not going to lie. And I still like a daily planner and I have my routine, but I'm equal parts flexible. And that's where the change part comes in, where if something doesn't go out as I intended in that day or the week or whatever, I'm very quick to be able to say, okay, that isn't happening. That one thing isn't an option as you thought it would be. What else can you do to make it happen? Or how can you think about it differently? And so I'm really building that muscle. And I think that when you do that, you are just so much happier. Things really work for you because you're not invested in the outcome. It all becomes about the process. The process is the purpose. And when you are living like that, every feedback you get, every closed door or open door or failure or success, none of it really matters because you need it all. You need every part of it. And that's the messy part of it. And it's so beautiful. I mean, I think when you live like that, I remember when we moved to New York from Los Angeles um, nine years ago, four kids, my youngest was three months old, no family here, never lived in a seasonal environment, 
my butt was cold all winter. I was, I (laughs) understood long coats for the first time ever. I never had owned one. And, um, but that as hard as it was, the growth that occurred in the last 10 years, the books that I've written, I mean, everything that I do just, it wouldn't have been that. Right. So I, I just, and, and there's nothing perfect about that. We took a leap. And I think that that's really, let's just erase that word from our lexicon. We just do not need it. Oh, so true. We, we so do not need it. I, I am very much a type A person also. And I have a, I have a mentor who leads a group that I'm in and she reminds me on the regular, Andy, leave room for the magic. The magic is in the messy. And when you don't leave room for that messy magic, the beauty can arise in life because you've, you've just organized it down to the moment. And where's the space for that? Well, here's the thing. You're going to feel really muddied and messy, but there's going to be no magic in it. And that's the difference, right? Because nothing's, it's not, it's like, that's the biggest illusion. There is no such thing as perfect. When a person, when something's perfect, it means it's complete. If you actually look at the definition. So there's nothing left to do. Mm. So is that what we're saying? No, we want to keep doing, right? We want to keep living. We want to keep experiencing. So perfection can't even be there. It just, it doesn't, it can't. Does it make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. How do we learn to embrace our mistakes? Well, I think that we need to normalize making mistakes. I think we need to understand that, you know, Thomas Edison made a thousand mistakes in the process. Um, Elton John learned to play music. He was self-taught and he made a ton of mistakes in really perfecting his skill. Um, If you look at anybody who's done great things, I mean, even the pacemaker was made by, it was a mistake. He, he was trying to do something else and he used the wrong size, something, whatever. And then he saw this rhythm of the heart and he's like, oh, this could be, that's how that was invented. So if he was so hell bent on figuring out what he first intended, we wouldn't have the thing that was really actually quite useful. Right. So I think that if you start to become comfortable, any of your listeners with words like mistakes and failure and change, then when those things come up, you're like, oh, well, this is great. Actually, this means that I learned something new and I'm going to apply that and I'm going to keep trying or I'm now going to try something different or add on. I just think that we've done a disservice to, um, to our society by, by making people feel that that is somehow wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that old adage, fail fast forward. I think that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Fail fast forward. And I certainly applied that idea often in the early stages of my career. And as I was starting to create my own business, I love the idea of embracing failure also as a key to spiritual growth. I'm really interested in your perspective on failure as a key to spiritual growth. Will you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think failure is necessary uh, in every area. I think that what happens with spirituality is when you fail and you're able to find the meaning in it, right? Find the growth in it, apply it to how you want to be different or do things better or just somehow change. Well, then there's growth and evolution there. So I think that to really be, because people say, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a kind person. You know, I do good deeds. Um, but I think real long-lasting spirit, the hard work of spiritual 
spirituality or spiritual growth is to be able to look at yourself and say, wow, that version of me that did X, Y, and Z, I can do so much better than that, right? It's a way to kind of put ourselves on a scale and compare ourselves of who we have yet to become, right? So then it's a really powerful tool. Like Mm -hmm. I failed myself or I failed my friend or I failed my children. Don't beat yourself up about it. Say, okay, well, I'm recognizing that. So who do I want to choose to become now that I've seen this? Mm -hmm. When we experience failure, one of the greatest gifts is to find our own resilience. How does one start to consider cultivating resilience in the face of failure? Well, I think that the only way to really do it, and for sure the start, is that you have to you have to appreciate it, right? If you don't appreciate its purpose in your life, then you're never going to use it for anything. You're going to run from it, right? You're going to keep on trying to make yourself look a certain way um, so people will like you or so they'll support you. Um, one of the greatest stories is the, what is her name? She created Spanx. I've, I'm, her name's Oh, yeah. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Blakely. Yes. So her story yes. is amazing. She, um, her father, by the way, though, every day when she'd come home from school, he'd say, tell me how you failed today, every day. And if she didn't have something mm-hmm. to say, he says, well, then go figure it out. Don't come back and talk to me until you have. And so for her, it was like, okay, failure, yeah, this is necessary from childhood, right? And she goes on to talk about all the things that she tried to do that she failed at. I mean, she even tried out to be a character, I think, at like Disneyland, and she wanted to be goofy, but she was too short, so they put her in it. Like, she, just thing after thing after thing, not successful. And Spanx came about because she was wearing a pair of white jeans, and she didn't like the way they fit. So she took a pair of pantyhose that were controlled top, and she cut out the tights, and she put it on under her jeans. She's like, wow. And then she tried to sell that, and it didn't take off right away. They wouldn't put it at the register. She would go and hide and like put them at the front when nobody was looking. I mean, she hustled because she didn't take the failure seriously. So I just think that that's the thing of all the things that, you know, we tend to take ourselves seriously, but only in the negative, not so much in the positive, yeah. right? So that's the, that's what has to flip. That's what seems to change. And then you'll be able yeah. to be like, I mean, really most of our negative emotions are there to indicate something to us, to, to make us awaken to something and we just try to get rid of the feeling and try to avoid it because we're not comfortable with it. But if you actually understand that those negative emotions, those negative experiences are necessary as much as the positive ones are, then we'll be able to understand and embrace them differently. We, we let our worth get so wrapped up in the negative emotions. And how, I mean, how how would that have been for her if she stopped at, okay, I'm auditioning to be the Disney character and I can't even get this. If I just, if she just quit then and let her value be decided by something that has truly no relation to who, what potential and who she could be. I think she even failed the the bar exam three times. I mean, she like literally like epic (laughs) failures, but she didn't give up. Hmm. It's such a good story. And she's just a, she's, she's a cool woman to pay attention to because so much of what she does today is centered around giving back to people. And she's doing that. She's done that by creating a company that's about, that's pantyhose ultimately, but yet there's such a bigger mission to it. And I love that mission driven story behind companies like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more about change. So you're a self-proclaimed change junkie, change being the only constant in life. And you work with the folks in your community community to inspire them to get excited about a lifestyle of change, something that so many folks are afraid of, this, this idea of change. How can someone tell if they are, in fact, changing for the better and begin to embrace a lifestyle of change? Well, that's a good question. I think that you will know if you're changing for the better if you feel happier most days, if you feel um, optimistic, if you feel connected to something greater than yourself. Because change is happening, as we said. You're either growing forward or going backwards. There's no constant. So as much as we all crave change, we also hate change. It's uncomfortable. Um, And we all really like to feel certain and secure, and it goes against everything that is natural to us. But you have to know this, that the powerful part about change is that you get to choose in which way you change. You get to direct that change. You get to choose it. There are other things that in your life will change for sure, but the more that you practice and you cultivate your relationship with change, then when those things happen that we didn't enjoy, and by the way, that's the other reason we don't love change because usually our first experience isn't a positive one, right? A parent, they get divorced. You have to choose now between two households or there's a sudden move and you didn't have a choice in that. The changes are usually sudden and abrupt, but if you understand that this idea that nothing will ever change, that that there is no suddenly syndrome, that, you know, that everything in this moment, you and I are changing in ways that we can't even see or understand. If you know that, then understanding it to really choose and direct, then you can practice it in small and big ways every single day. So, you know, I do this all the time. Like if, um, I remember the other day I was on a call and I saw my phone lighting up and it was the place of where I was going to next And I thought, oh, maybe they're calling to cancel the appointment. I was kind of looking forward to that. That's okay. In my mind, I had already reorganized the rest of my afternoon because maybe they had canceled and they didn't. They just pushed the time back. But like, that's how quickly now I'm able to be flexible because I practice it all the time. It's a real tool. It's a real powerful tool that I think when we embrace it, then the big things that happen won't throw us off as they tend to. And also you just derive so much more pleasure and meaning in every part of every day. Mm, yeah, there's a there's an Ernest Hemingway quote. I think it's from The Sun Also Rises. And it's he says there was a question of how did this happen and the response is it happened gradually and then suddenly. And when yes. we consider that idea of just being on a path of gradual momentum day by day and then allowing for really impactful big things to happen that's, I, I just love that idea of allowing the gradualness to lead to something sudden and often very beautiful alongside of it. Absolutely. Exactly. What are some of your non-negotiable spiritual practices? Hmm. Um, prayer, for sure. And uh, studying. Because if I don't continue to learn and feed myself, then I won't have much to offer anybody else. And also a big part of Kabbalah in I think any spirituality is to remove the ego and the grip of the ego um, and really connecting to the soul's desires. And you can really only put the ego at bay when you continuously study and try to expand your own consciousness. 
Mm, Absolutely. Okay, I've got a closing question for you. Your life's mission is to show others how to create a life that not only feels like it's working, but most importantly, a life in which they are living and loving as the powerful and fulfilled person that they've always wanted to be. So my question is, what closing words do you have for our listeners about stepping into becoming that person that you have always wanted to be? It's one of, um, yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I think that for people to understand that it's, it's your life and you alone are responsible for the quality of it. So if you love what you do, do more of it. If you don't love what you do, don't do it. And if you don't know what you love, it's time to find out. And I think that says it all. If you say that last one one more time, I feel like that is so, it's so profound. The whole thing or just the last part? Sure, the whole thing. Um, if, it's, if you love what you do, if you love do what you do, do more of it. If you don't love what you do, don't do it. And if you don't know what you love, it's time to find out. It's time to find out. Absolutely. So beautiful. Monica, thank you so much for being with me and sharing so much of your wisdom. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tell us before we go what you have coming up this fall for folks that are interested in learning more about you and your work. So it's my first children's book that I, it was co-created and inspired by my youngest child, Abigail, who's nine. And she, um, it's called The Gift of Being Different. And it's Mm -hmm. all about how to embrace your, what we perceive as our flaws or shortcomings and really understand that it's our superpower and to really embrace your uniqueness. So she got diagnosed with dyslexia a year and a half ago and she admitted that she felt stupid and I was like, no, this is not, this is not going to be the narrative in your Um, in your head. So we reframed it. And really, she sees it now as a great gift. And she understands that because she learns differently, she can see the world in a way nobody else can. And that's a great tool. And that's a great power. So um, it's the first in a series of 10. And she's the narrator. Uh, And it's it's really a great book. Really excited about it. Amazing. Ah, so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. We will absolutely be looking for the book. That's such an incredible story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. If you have gotten lots out of this conversation, I would love if you would share your experience of this episode on social. You can tag the show at your woo woo BFF and you can tag me at wee wee girl o-u-i-w-e-g-i-r-l you guys i think actually i'm going to change my instagram name when i get married which is happening in 16 days by the way it's very very soon i'll definitely talk more about that when we get there on the other side of it when we get through it what do you think about the instagram name change i think i'm going to change it to my actual name not the name of the vlog but me Okay, so next week on the show, we have Jocelyn Kelly Reed. The week after that, we have my doctor from Kind Body to talk all things fertility. It's going to be incredibly informative, something that so many women are not discussing and should take their power around and know all the things. 
I love being here with you every week. Thank you again for including me as a part of your day. Until next week, sending much love. Take beautiful care. See you super soon.